So we're uh, continuing in a series that we call heart disease. And the idea behind it is that we all have these things in our heart that if we don't take care of them right away, they're going to fester and get worse and worse and worse. And we kind of, you know, this is like how it is in life. I mean, if you have a toothache and the toothache hurts and you're scared to go to the dentist and you just kind of let it go and go and go and go and go, your teeth will get rotted and pussy and they'll fall out and you're that, yeah, it's disgusting, right? Take that mental image and apply it to your heart. There, it's just that, that simple. But we've been going over four uh, things. We're on our third one this week. Last week we talked about, uh, the, well, the first week we talked about guilt. And uh, basically with guilt, what we said was that the remedy for guilt is confession. And, and what we talked about is the fact that we have good guilt and bad guilt. We, we have the guilt or conviction, if you will, that the Holy Spirit places on our hearts. And that is exciting conviction because it means that God Almighty is speaking to you. And so, so we don't want to get rid of that guilt. We want to ba- basically embrace it and say, God, yes, you're speaking into my life. This is true. And then, and then we confess that. And that gets rid of the, 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 the bad guilt. I mean, the good guilt. And, and what we did is we had these different kinds of bricks up here and, uh, and we put these bricks in our backpack or whatever. And then there were the red bricks and that guilt was the guilt that we put on each other or that we put on ourselves. And maybe you feel guilty because you didn't amount to everything you wanted to amount to, or you have done something in your past that you just can't forgive yourself for. That those would be red brick guilt. And so we, what we talked about was that we, we confess this, and that's the remedy for guilt, is confession. And so for the green um, uh, bricks, we go to our Heavenly Father and we say, would you forgive me for you know, doing that? And He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And then with the red bricks, we confess that to our Heavenly Father, and then we just move on. So we talked about that, and then we went to anxiety, and we said that every anxious thought is a call to prayer. And we had the bricks up here again, and we, had, uh, we went through this uh, section of Scripture that says, uh, be anxious for nothing, not one thing. Uh, those are all red bricks. Don't be, but, but, uh, but they're laying people off. At my, don't be anxious for it. Yeah, but my wife, don't, but I got a lump. Don't be anxious for it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And so what we did is we started treating these anxious thoughts, these things that come into our minds, as a call to prayer. And so I challenged you last week to do that, uh, and and, and I, I told you, as I was challenging you to do it, I would do it too, because I struggle with anxiety about thinking about the church and about this, and what are we going to do for this? And for those of you um, waving, if you're new here and you're like, man, it's hot in here, it is hot in here. <laughs> we, uh, our air conditioning died on Easter week, and so we're now getting bids and doing all that kind of stuff. And if you've got an extra $65,000, $70,000, just put in the offering and we'll get this taken care of. But until then, you're going to be hot. No, we're just, we're getting, we're getting our, uh, uh, we're getting all those bids done and stuff. So, so uh, just know that uh, if you don't ask Jesus for forgiveness, it's going to get, no, I'm kidding. All right. Uh, so, uh, so this week we're talking about an, another heart disease, something that I, for me personally, I believe it's the most dangerous out of the four that we go over. Because this particular thing, once it gets rooted into your heart, it's very difficult to get rid of. The other thing that's difficult about this particular one is that it's very easy to see in other people and very hard to see in yourself. It's bitterness. 
And so as we begin to go through this, uh, you will uh, be tempted to go, oh, I wish so-and-so were here. I need to get the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I need to get, you know, this will be great for instead of turning that upside down and going, what is going on in me? And this week was a tough week for me because uh, as I was kind of going through that going, hey, I hope so-and-so, no, I, I wasn't doing that. Uh, I, I, I was thinking to myself, God, what, and as I was studying, the, the, you, you kind of get this sense of dread that, man, if I don't deal with these things early, I'm in big trouble. And the, the, one of the reasons why bitterness is such a big deal is because we tend to, as humans, underestimate how much we hurt people, and we tend to overestimate how much they hurt us. And there's a sense of expectation, and this is what I'm hoping to break this week, that we should not be wounded ever. There's an expectation that nobody should wound me. And let me just tell you, you know, Justin was supposed to say when he had you guys sit down, he was supposed to say, turn to one another and say, you are really jacked up. That's what you're supposed to say. He's too nice, but that's what I was going to have you say. Because you are. We're all really jacked up. We all wound each other. It's, it's just part of the human condition after the fall. We all wound each other and we all get wounded. And so many times we go through life with this expectation, this faulty expectation that I should never be wounded. And so when we are, it's this assault on the, all of humanity. You know, how dare they do that? Now, listen. Some wounds, and you might be sitting with them today, are very, very deep and very, very serious. And so I'm not just saying, you know, uh, you know, oh, get over it, <laughs> right? Because that's not actually the solution to bitterness. The solution to bitterness is not just, oh, it's no big deal. It might very well be a big deal. What you went through at five years old may be a really, really big deal. What you went through as a parent maybe with the loss of, a, of a, a son or a daughter or, or whatever happened in your family. It's, it's a big deal. So one of the ways to get rid of bitterness is not to just go, oh, you know, it's no big deal. But let me just describe to you what happens with bitterness when it's left unchecked. So uh, because we tend to overestimate over, uh, what someone's done to us, we underestimate what we've done to others, it's easy to have things escalate. And, and, and the way I kind of look at it. This happened to me yesterday. Um, my son Jesse and I wrestle. He's 12 years old, and we wrestle. And um, man, as they get older, they get bigger and stronger. And I woke up, and I'm like, man, what is wrong with my jaw? And uh, it, he punched me in the jaw. So um, I, here, here's, how, here's, how, here's how it happens in my house. I, I'm sitting on the couch at home, you know, probably reading my Bible, okay? Uh, <laughs> so I'm there reading my Bible, doing something spiritual and deep meditation. And, and Jesse will come up to me and he'll put his arm around me. And, and I, I know he's, he's wanting to wrestle and I'm old and so I don't want to. And so what he'll do is he'll kind of like squeeze my neck a little bit. And then I'll go, dude, get off me. And I'll slap his hand. 
And he'll be like, you slapped my hand. And I'm like, you were trying to break my neck. And, and so then all of a sudden, so then, he, then he'll like go, well, here. And then he'll, you know, squeeze on me. And then I'll like lie on him. Oh, how do you like that? And it just keeps escalating, escalating, escalating. And each person is going, I didn't hit you that hard. I didn't twist you like that. You're, you're taking it too far. If you have kids, like my wife does, me and my son, Jesse, because uh, she's in the other room like, what are you guys doing in there? We're like, he started it. You know, I'm 45 for crying out loud. So... So if you have kids, you've seen this happen where they're sitting there and one has the remote and then the other one grabs it. And then, you know, soon it's like full blown blows. The reason this happens is there's something in us that when we're wronged, we blow it out. There's a flaw. The same, listen, the same flaw in me that wounds you is the same flaw that over, goes overkill when you wound me but there will be wounding. So what happens with bitterness, once it starts getting in there, you begin to rehearse and you begin to go back over and you begin to try to think, it looks like this in my life, you know, something happens, somebody offends me or whatever and I think about it and then then I'm in the shower and I'm like, you know, and another thing. I don't don't know if you've ever done this, but I start having conversations with the person who's not there, gladly, because I'm in the shower. And so, but you, you start to, you start to rehearse, you start to go, oh, if they, if they were here right now, I'd say that, well, I'd put a towel on, but I'd say this, or I'd say that, or, or you start thinking back, and you're going over in your mind, you know, I know what they really meant. And in your heart, you begin to escalate, and then you begin to gather data about that person, and you begin to hear things, and that, and it either makes you happy if you find out that people are on your side, or it makes you sad if you find out that they're not on your side, and it begins to get out of control. Listen to what the Bible says about bitterness. In Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Listen. And defile many. One of the lies of bitterness. Is that it's something on the inside that's just between you and that other person. That there's nobody gets damaged. Bitterness is insatiable. It constantly needs more. One of the things we say around here in in our staff is that bitterness demands a high return on investment. So in other words, if you hurt me and I begin to get bitter, I don't want you just to pay me back. I want your utter destruction. I want everybody to know. I want everybody to be on my side. This is what happens in bitterness. Bitterness is bondage. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I don't know if you've ever, how long you've been in the church or how, you know, where, what different churches you've been to. But if you've been in a church longer than 10 years, you've seen this happen. You've seen where one person said something about another person or whatever, and the two start drawing their sides. And all of a sudden this one idiotic event becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and that little root of bitterness is now a giant bush and people aren't even talking about the stuff from the very beginning you see it in marriages where one one somebody 
or injures the other one. And then they, they, you know, they, they were disrespected and it just keeps going and going and going. And guess what? The kids now come in. Bitterness defiles many. And so the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, see to it that there's not any, that no bitter root grows up. Bitterness is bondage. Now, here's, here's what happened. We're going to look at a section of scripture where Jesus kind of talks about this. Jesus is preaching and uh, Peter comes up to him. It's in Matthew um, chapter 18. Peter comes up to him and says, uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Uh, up to seven times? Now, w- typically we give Peter kind of a hard time and we like read all sorts of stuff into it to say that Peter was trying to make himself look good seven times. But th- it's a legitimate question, especially when you're talking to Jesus, who happens to have the answer to pretty much every question you're going to ask. Right? And so he goes up to, to Jesus and he's thinking, how much? Now listen, this is really at the core of the issue, isn't it? I mean, if, when we're dealing with people hurting us, isn't that kind of the question? Like, how long do I have to put up with this? You might be in a marriage where you're like, Lord, how, how many times do I got to put up with this? You might have a neighbor. Oh, oh. Please don't let it be Friday night. You know, you know the kids, the band opens up and you're just like, oh man, you're paying for music lessons for the kid. You know, you're just like, please. Right? Like how, how, how long? What, what, what's, the, what's the limit that I have to do? This, this is the thing that's in the back of our mind. And, and, and so Jesus says this, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, New American Standard will say seven times 70. And, and so scholars go back and forth. Is it 77 or, or is it 70 times seven? It, that's not the point. <laughs> A lot. Okay, that's basically what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, because are you going to go to Jesus and go, well, I forgave 490 times. I'm on 491. I'm good, you know, right? Of course not. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen. How often do you have to forgive? All the time. Always. Not seven times, 77 times. Now, now listen, because what we tend to think of is, well, I got to set up healthy boundaries, right? I mean, I mean, if, if this person just keeps slapping me in the face, I can't, you know, just allow him to do that. Listen, this is not what happens with bitterness. What happens with bitterness is it's usually one offense that you keep rehearsing over and over and over and over and over again as bitterness grows and grows and grows. So Jesus says 77 times, and then he gives this wonderful illustration that gives us many keys on how to get rid of bitterness, okay? He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you're in business at all or you're you know, maybe you're in uh, accounting or whatever, but there comes a time when you want to make sure all your books are accurate. You want to, and there might be some debt on there that you just want to count as a loss in that year because you you just can't go over the debt. You know, you, you know you're not going to get it. That company's not going to pay. And so you just kind you settle accounts. You just go, listen, we're not going to go after this anymore. We're going to just take it as a loss. And then, then, so our income drops and we don't have to pay so much taxes, all this kind of stuff. So, so that, that, that's what's going on with this king. He's just going, okay, listen, I want to, I want to settle all these accounts. And so he, he, he has this, uh, this guy who owns 10,000 talents. Since he's not able to pay, 
The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, let me just explain how much debt this really is. There's no way the guy's going to repay it. it. It's not. I mean, at the current average salary of Judea and Samaria at that time, it would have been about 16 and a half years of working full time just to get the money to repay it. Then if you have to live and pay rent and do all that kind of stuff or whatever they did back then, it, you're never going to pay it. Now, here's the second lie of bitterness. The lie is that somebody can pay you back for the wrong they did to you. They cannot. Because you and I will never get back to the state we were in before we were wronged. Ever. You can't go back. See, if if you come to me and you say, John, um, you're ugly, uh, you're a terrible pastor, and, and you smell, okay? And, and I'm like, have you been talking to my wife? No. Uh, right. so, 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 so you, you, you do that to me, and, and I say to myself, you know what? They owe me an apology. So they offer an apology. Do I go back to my, the previous state before I was told those things? No. Now you were the one who told me I was a terrible pastor, smelled bad, and whatever the third, I was ugly, that's it, yeah, right? I I can't go back. And there's this lie of bitterness that keeps rehearsing in our minds, like, if they would only do this, if they would only do that, then I'll be, then then I won't have to hold this on. And I'm telling you, there's nothing they can do. If you want to hold on to bitterness, there's nothing they can do to pay you back for what they did. They wounded you, and you can never go back to that to that pre-wounded state. Couples feel this when there's infidelity in the marriage. You can forgive the person, forgive the person, you know, like they can say they're sorry, they can be faithful, whatever, but you're never gonna get that back again. Can the relationship be healed? Absolutely, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it happened. And what I'm trying to say, what we'll see as we move along in this parable is things are going to happen. We can't help it. We're wounded individuals that wound each other and in our wounds are raw and feel even more wounded than things that have happened to us. And so he goes and he says, uh, they they put his wife and children and everything, they say they're going to put him in jail to repay the debt. Let me ask you a question. Is that fair? The guy owes you 10,000. You don't have to answer. You got 10,000 talents that you owe the the king and he puts you and your family in, in jail to pay off the debt. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. It's totally within the law of what was happening at the time. And you owe the money, right? That's the thing. You do owe the 10,000 talents. So here's what the guy says. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. But he can't. He can't. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Imagine you go to the bank, you know, the way the housing market is right now. Let's say you're upside down in your house, right? 
and you're unadjustable and uh, your interest rate keeps going up or whatever, or you lose your job and you have to uh, reorganize that loan. You got to kind of reorder the thing. You go into the bank and they, they have the big mahogany desk and there's a guy there and he's got a little like thing in his jacket pocket, whatever those things are that a hanky or whatever, and uh, he's got the b- bank logo on a pin on his tie, you know, and he's just like, and, and his real nice suit and stuff, and you walk in, and you say, hey, listen, I just, I just need some more time, man. I, I do, can we just, can we make it a, like a 60-year loan? <laughs> and, you know, and maybe we can do a different thing with the pay, and, you know, can we, can we do this? And he kind of starts tearing up, and he's like, man, your story's so sad. You lost your job and, you know, you made a mistake buying the house and that wasn't your fault. Poor little guy and kind of looks down at the thing and he goes, you know what? Let's just forget it. He brings in the bank man, you know, the other manager, VP. I mean, can you look at this? And everyone's, oh man, tellers are all shaking their head. This is horrible. This is horrible. You're free. Go up, go ahead. And you're like, <laughs> okay, you know. Like, how fast would you get out of that bank? You know, I'd be like, you said I was free. You know, and you'd be like, you know, right? And you come home and you'd be like, honey, you'll never guess what happened. The bank gave us the house. I love Bank of America or Wells Fargo or whatever, which is something I say every day almost. I love my bank. Okay, so, so, so right, you come home. Imagine, I just want you to imagine for a second what that would feel like to be like, wait a minute. That means we don't have a house payment anymore. This, this means that we might be able to retire. This means that we can finally pay off the jet ski. This means, I mean, like, like, like imagine the feeling. This is exactly what Jesus wants you to feel when he's telling this story. He wants you to feel the enormous weight of the debt being lifted off your shoulders. So he says, he canceled the debt and he let him go. Now watch what happens. But when that servant went out, he found one more, and listen to this, of his fellow servants, somebody just like him. This is key when we're talking about bitterness, so just hang on. Found out one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, that was a good amount, so it's not like it was just nothing. It's not like it's just, oh, forget it, it's just a couple bucks. It, you know, for you or I, depending on where you're at financially, it might be a few thousand dollars, Okay. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay him back. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, watch what happens. His fellow servant fell to his knees. And he begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. Now, we kind of like this part because we start thinking to ourselves, I know where you're going I know, I'm the one who was forgiven of the big debt by Jesus, and then uh, I'm holding bitterness against this person. And I, I, I get that. But in the back of our minds, we're like, but that person isn't coming up and begging me. <laughs> like, if they were to come up and beg me like that, like get on their knees and beg and say, please, I'll, I'll pay you back, I'll, I, 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 I'd forgive them. You know, I wouldn't be like this wicked slave. Okay, so that's the third lie of bitterness, but check this out. It says, he says, his fellow uh, servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw this, 
okay, saw what happened. They were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. So imagine, you come home, honey, the, the, the house, we're forgiven of the house thing and all this kind of stuff, and then your brother-in-law comes over who owes you 2,000 bucks, and you're just like, I'm taking him to small claims court. If we had found that out, we would say, we would say, well, you're, you're a jerk. You were forgiven your house, and now you're taking this guy to small claims court? Listen, this is so key. It's really hard to see in yourself And it's really easy to see in everybody else. How many times have you been trying to tell somebody a story about somebody you're upset with? And you're telling the story and you're trying to make it as horrible as possible to make the person look as bad as possible. And you're like, yeah, and then, you know, and then I, I was sick at the time they told me that. I was sick. I had a cold. They didn't care. And they could tell I was sniffling too. They didn't care. They just said it. And you're doing everything you can. And the person says, why don't you just get over it? And you're like, the audacity. Just get, I was sick. Did I mention that? See, and how many times have you heard somebody's story and you're going, it's just not that big of a deal. Like, that's all they said? Just go up and tell them that they they were stupid and you didn't like it and get over it. it. Isn't it easy for us to look at each other's situations and go, It's no big deal. Or the other thing we do is we find a story that's worse to show you that your story isn't that big of a deal. Like, oh, well, at least your kids are, you know, like like you just, you see what I'm saying? This is the thing Jesus wants us to remove completely out of the equation. They see it in this guy. Now watch what the king says, because this is, this is the, uh, this is kind of the thing here. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had what? Let's say it one more time. Shouldn't you have had mercy? See, mercy doesn't care what the story is. Mercy isn't just like, well, look, for this category of story... We do mercy for this. Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. We'll, we'll label those healthy boundaries. And then for that one, you know, that's retribution. Shouldn't you have had mercy? See, this is the great thing about the word mercy. There was a wrong done. You see, it's not just forget about it. Oh, just put it aside. Oh, it'll be no big deal. It's there was something done that was wrong. And so as we kind of look back and we say, well, a lot of times what we'll say, and you might have been saying it in your mind as I've been talking, if you knew my story, you'd know that this is different. If you knew what they did to me when I was that age, if you knew what those people did to me, and this is why it's so important, especially for our high school and junior high kids, to get it through their head that you will be wrong throughout your whole life. (laughs) It's going to happen. And to learn mercy. Yes, you were wronged. Yes, somebody should pay. But they can't get it right anyway. And so he says... He says, uh, uh, let's see, oh, I'm sorry. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I 
had on you. He qualifies it. How did the king have mercy on the servant? He totally canceled the debt. It wasn't like you walk into the bank and they said, look, just pay us half for the house. It wasn't like that. He didn't say, look, okay, 10,000 talents, look, let's just do this. Uh, wh- where do you work? You know, I'm going to garnish your wages. I'm a- he canceled it. And in doing so said, just as I did that, as I canceled your debt, you're to cancel theirs. Now, now here's the thing about it, because what, what, what we're afraid of is this bitterness and this anger is power. There's something in us weird that kind of likes the injustice so that it, it, it sets us, at least we know, I was wronged. And, and so God says, God comes from a situation and says, look, listen, that bitterness is bondage. I want you to be free. Watch what happens. This is so incredible. So he says, um, uh, shouldn't you have had mercy on your slave? In anger... His master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all he owed. Now, if you're thinking in this in terms of theologically or doctrinally or whatever, and you think, okay, the king is the heavenly father, uh, the debt is my sin to him, and then that got canceled, and so then uh, I didn't forgive somebody, and so now God's going to torture me. Okay. <laughs> He's going to turn me over. Okay, don't be bitter or God's going to torture you. Ah, that makes sense. Is that what it's saying? Why not? You guys are pretty confident. Maybe he is going to torture us. Maybe we shouldn't be bitter. Listen, your bitterness is going to torture you. You won't be able to let it go. It will, as we saw in Hebrews... It will defile many. See, all the king did was turn him over to the jailers. Said, if the, okay, we've been talking about the kingdom for a long time. If you want to operate in that kingdom, there you go. And the guy's like, well, I don't want to be tortured. Then let, then show the kind of mercy I showed you. And there won't be any more torture. You're free. Bitterness is bondage. Okay, so for our, for our um, well, let, let's, just, let's just go, what happened? So he turned him over to the jailers to be tortured, and he paid back all that he owed. Now, what he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. My heavenly father will do what? He'll turn you over to the jailers. Go ahead. You want to operate in bitterness? I, I'm not going to come in and change it. Go ahead and do it. Listen, I've had times in my life where I've done just that. I, I felt like God wasn't going to do his job and that I had to be right. And I had to talk to people about how I was wronged and how I'm right in how I'm responding to being wrong. And it just began to eat. I, I, so I was wronged. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Soon after a few months, I was waking up in the middle of the night. Like, going, you know what? This is ridiculous. This is no place for a follower of Jesus Christ to be. Now watch what happens. Well, let me give you the, let me give you the point. The point is this. Forgiveness 
releases me. See, we think of forgiveness as I'm going to release you. And that's part of it. That's the mercy. You don't, you don't owe me anything anymore. I forgive you. The debt's been paid. I'm canceling it. Okay? I'm not putting you under, in jail anymore. You don't have to pay me back the debt that you couldn't pay back anyway. But really what forgiveness does is it releases me from having to keep an account of whether or not I've been repaid. You know how hard it is? And maybe you're in a relationship like this right now where, where the, you have the initial thing that happened. Somebody stole from you or whatever. And then you, okay, I'm going to go confront them. And then you confront them and they said they didn't do it. So now they've stolen from you and they've lied from you. Okay, so uh, stolen, uh, lied. Okay, and then you're like, okay, I, I'm just now, and, and then you find that they talked behind your back because, and why do you care so much about money? Stolen, lied, talked behind my back. And then they come to apologize. And you're like, okay, p- apology. What well, was that for the line or that? It just gets, Jesus just says, hey, be released from it. I'll, I'll take the accounting. <laughs> you, just, you just operate in the forgiveness that I've given you. You're set free. Be free. Go. And you say, well, I don't, I don't like those terms. Okay, go to jail, <laughs> right? Sit in it if you want. But this is the trap of bitterness. We think they can repay, Right? We always think that what they've done is way worse than it is, so we don't really even have a good idea of of what fair is anymore, and that it eats us alive. Now, so what do we do? Check this out. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now, we're like, now we're talking, you know? Okay, so if I don't do something, you're going to do something? God's like, totally, I'll take care of it. And we're like, I'd way rather have that person smacked down by God than me anyway, because God's way more powerful, right? The problem with God is that he never does it the way we want him to do it, right? Because we've already rehearsed it in our minds. You come to me and you say, you're a bad pastor and you're ugly and you smell. And in my mind, I'm just like, okay, God, go get him. And angels come down, and they're just like, the thing is glowing, and the person's like, oh, you know, you know and, and, and they're, they're just like, you know, how dare you come against the Lord's anointed? I'm like, totally. I was totally saying that. Yeah, excellent. And the angels are like, he's the Lord's anointed. You know, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. And the person's like, ah, oh, my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I've been so terrible. Why did I even do that? I'm like, it's okay. And then, and then after you feel like the full weight of retribution has come upon them, and then you're like, I forgive you. And the angels are like, oh, and you're like carried up or whatever. I mean, it's like, it's like, that's how we want it to go down. And so we go, okay, God, I'm leaving room for your wrath. And it's like, hey, they got a promotion. What? A promotion? That's not, I didn't get a promotion. Okay, give me back the pen. Okay, you got a promotion. I didn't get a promotion, right? God doesn't operate the way we want to operate. But listen, if we would get this down, the second part, he says, it is mine to avenge. Leave it. Relax. Go on your forgiven way. Keep in mind, I forgive you of everything. Just go. Go. Don't worry about that thing. He says, he says um, 
It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, here, here's the thing I want us to see about this idea of I will repay. We think of it in terms of, oh, good, he'll make them pay. <laughs> Vengeance is mine. I'll make them pay. You're like, yeah. But listen, one of the things that we're afraid to give up when we give up bitterness is that we'll ever get paid back anything. And here's what your Heavenly Father wants to tell you this morning. He's got you covered too. He's got you covered. He loves you. Not only has he forgiven you, he also sees what you're going through. He says, he says, don't, I know, I know you've been wounded. I know, I know, I know it hurts. I was wounded too. He understands every part of you. And he doesn't just dismiss it and say, oh yeah, what happened, you know, in those teenage years? Just get over it. He says, I love you. You know what I want to do? I want to supply the needs, the, the wounds that you have. I want them healed. I want to now take you as you are. And I don't want bitterness shaping you. I want to mold you into my image, even in the midst of your pain. So come on, let's go. He will repay. He'll take care of it. But not, not the way we think. So watch what Colossians says real quick, because this is super important. It says, therefore... As God's chosen people and dearly loved, holy and dearly loved, okay, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now listen, part of the thing with this is that all of a sudden the whole thing's starting to get turned around and now it's my responsibility. They injured me and now it's my responsibility? Yes, it is. When I'm wounded, it's my responsibility to go to my heavenly father and say, I'm putting this all in your hands. He says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then exactly like the king said, here it is. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You can just cross that out in your Bibles right now. It's too difficult to teach you, right? You know how the Lord forgave you? The Bible says that while I was a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He didn't help make me pay it back. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, there, on the cross, at the mid, okay, he was innocent. He didn't do anything. And as he stretched out, beaten, bloody, eye swollen, beard pulled out, spit upon, mocked, uh, all this kind of stuff, nailed to this cross, he says, Father, forgive him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that there's anything anyone can do to me that isn't worth the forgiveness of God. Like, I, it, it's not even like, well, you know, it has to be as bad as what Jesus went through. No, the power of forgiveness, that forgiveness, the cross, the symbol of the cross that says, while he was going through that, he was providing a way of escape for us. That power, if we would allow ourselves to connect with it, is the same power we all have to forgive each other. It's there. And there's no reason why we can't have access to it. But we have to connect with our own sinfulness first. But you know how Jesus puts it in the 
Beatitudes. He calls it, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who just kind of come and go, you know what, God, and we've talked about this before, where the idea of that word in, in, in the, uh, uh, back then, the, the, the poor would just, they wouldn't even look up. And, and so th- their heads would be down and they would just have their hand out. They're not even worthy to look at you. And God says, you know what, if you, if you would understand yourself like that, so we come to him and we say, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve eternity with you. I don't deserve a relationship with you. I've wounded you. I can't repay. And he says, don't worry. I provide a way of escape. Now get up. You're no longer a beggar. You're my son. I, I, I want to begin this relationship with you. And as we begin that journey, that same power that forgave us is the power that he's given us to forgive. So he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a hard teaching. Especially, you know, in knowing some of your stories. You really were wounded. There's no doubt about that. You were really wronged. It was really wasn't fair. You know what the Lord's word is? I know, I know. But if you would let it go, you'll be free from it. And don't we want to be free? Bitterness is bondage. It's a trap. It's a lie from the enemy that you can even be paid back in the first place. I want to show you one other verse as Justin comes up here. This is so incredible. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. But we've heard this so many times. You've heard love your enemies probably, if you've been at church twice, you've heard it 50 times. But let that sink in. Who's your enemy this morning? Who wounded you? Who hurt you? And maybe they really did. And it's a real big deal. Who did that to you? You love them. It goes on. It says, do good to those who hate you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bless those who curse you. And then the most important one, pray for those who mistreat you. You know what that looks like? It looks like this. (sighs) Lord, I feel so wronged. I feel like I didn't do anything to deserve the way they've treated me. I feel like I want to get I want to get them back. I want you to I want to see them suffer. But I, God, I know that that is not your way. That's not the kingdom. So Lord, I I pray as much as best I can for blessing upon them and their family. I pray, Lord God, that you would um, bring healing into this entire situation. Lord, that you would make me a kind of man who can be injured and not have it bother me at all because my hope and my rest is in you. That I'd be connected with the fact that you saved me, that I owed you everything. I couldn't repay, and you paid the price for me. So Lord, I I pray you'd bless them. I pray, Lord God, that you would give me, make me the man of God to be able to watch them being blessed and be fine with it. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a hard prayer. You know what Jesus says to do, how often to do that? A lot. 490, 77, whatever number you want to pick. He tells us to do a lot. And what we're going to do right now is give us an opportunity to do just that. 
Justin's going to play a song that uh, he wrote on this idea of forgiveness, and um, and we're just going to kind of sit. And here's what I'd encourage you to do, because some of you are sitting there and you know exactly who the person is, and it's hard. It is hard to lay it down, but as best you can. Can you go before your Heavenly Father now during this time? And you can come up to the stage and leave it. You can go to the cross and kneel there. You can stay in your seats. It doesn't matter. This is an open, open time. But as best you can, can you leave that here today? Just leave Just say, Lord, it's in your hands. And may, there might be a couple people. There might be a whole, whole side of one family. <laughs> right? Right? I, just, I would encourage you, begin that process of just going, God, I want to forgive him as you forgave me.